0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today, we're going to be breaking down this Saturday's 12 p.m. slate of DFS college football. Uh, DraftKings has their pricing out already, so all pricing and points will be reflective of DraftKings. Still waiting on FanDuel to come out with the salaries. Got a lot of content coming your way the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we will be doing our NFL Week 10 preview, so make sure you check that out. And then Friday, don't quite know what I'm going to do Friday yet. Might be college football late slate if the salaries are out. Might be NBA basketball. Might be college basketball. We'll just have to wait and see um, what salaries are out and what slate provides the most appeal to me. If you are interested in my full DFS lineups, make sure you head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And for more information, stats, nuggets, facts, guys who I'm playing, guys who I'm not playing, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Got stuff dropping for almost every slate. Um, On guys that I like and don't like. All right so this Saturday slate of college football we got a bottom dollar quarterback that I want to talk about. We got some stud running backs that I want to talk about and then a lot of difficult to figure out options at wide receiver. So let's go ahead and get into it but first a quick word from our friends at Anchor. let's start off with the quarterback position that is headlined by C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I'll be honest, I don't know if I'm going to get there on either of these two guys this week at their price tag. Let's talk about Stroud first. So C.J. Stroud is heading into a game where Ohio State is 40-point favorites, and they are implied for 48 points if you do the math on the spread and the over-under. So if Ohio State's going to get 48 points, that seems to bode pretty well for Stroud. But here's the risk that you run anytime you want to play C.J. Stroud. You run the risk of they put up a lot of points in the first half, and it's a blowout, and some of them are rushing touchdowns. He doesn't get all the touchdowns. And then in the second half, they're either just running the ball or he heads to the bench. So I don't know. I, just, I don't see C.J. Stroud being a guy that's going to win you a GPP this week. I don't see him exploding for 50-plus points because if they do go up, they know they need to preserve his health. And so they would be less likely to keep him in if they want to score, you know, 50, 60, 70. So I just think there's a lot of risk in playing him for that reason. And for that reason, I'm not going to play him at that price tag. Now, Bryce Young is slightly more appealing to me. Uh, Alabama is implied 37 points in this game against Ole Miss. And Ole Miss has given up at least 28 points to their last three opponents. So, you know, not a great defense. And in their last two games, just to quarterbacks, Ole Miss has given up 32 fantasy points and 50 fantasy points. That was to Jalen Daniels. So what you're looking at here is a defense that is very porous. However, they seem to be more more susceptible to quarterbacks who run and the run game as opposed to the pass game. So I don't know, I think Bryce Young's strengths don't exactly play into this Ole Miss defense. However, what we do know is that Alabama can score points And Ole Miss is going to give up points. So I would find Bryce Young a little more appealing than C.J. Stroud. And plus, I don't think this game is going to turn into a blowout. However, I still don't know if I'm going to get there on Bryce Young this week. Now, the guy that is really interesting to me is Jaden Daniels of LSU. So LSU is implied 33 points this week. And in games that LSU scores more than 30, Jaden Daniels averages 35 fantasy points. 35 fantasy points every time his team scores 30. So pretty much, if they get to their implied total of 33, he's going to try to get to that average of 35 fantasy points. And I really like it. He's a dual threat. He did really well against Alabama. Um, I just don't see any reason why not to play Jaden Daniels this week against Arkansas. Hendon Hooker is an interesting one. I think that the Georgia game is going to kind of impact how people see Hendon Hooker. Um, I think that you know, kind of the Heisman buzz has died down a little bit because of that game. And look, he's playing against Georgia. It's 11 future pros out there. I'm willing to cut him a pass. This week against Missouri, he is not up against 11 future pros. Tennessee's implied only 38 points. I use the word only because they average like 45. And so I'm willing to go back to Henn and Hooker this week. Uh, I think he's going to come in at lower owned. I think he's going to come in with a little less buzz around him. And it'll be good for him to get back on track against Missouri. Tanner Mordecai is coming off of his incredible 65 fantasy point performance. Funny, that game was actually not on the DraftKings slate last Saturday night, but it was on the FanDuel slate. And I actually had Clayton Toon of Houston who had like an equally good performance. And I quadrupled my money. But the problem was if you wanted to win on that slate, you had to double double stack that game and go with Mordecai and uh, Toon and their receivers. And so that was kind of the only way you could win big money last Saturday night on FanDuel. Anyway, Mordecai's coming off that 65-point performance. I expected to see that price point a little higher. South Florida is not good. So I'm not saying he's going to put up 65 again, but it would not shock me if he got another 300-yard, four-touchdown performance and about maybe 28 to 30 fantasy points. Dylan Graybierle of Oklahoma is up against West Virginia, who is the worst team in the Big 12, in my opinion. And Dylan Gabriel is kind of on a little bit of a hot streak here. In the last two games that he has finished, he scored 28 and 33 fantasy points. So, you know, if he repeats that, he's definitely going to give you value at the current price tag. Next up is Riley Leonard of Duke. So he has been a super consistent, super underrated option, mainly because of his legs. But he has been over 25 fantasy points in every single game this season except for two. That's pretty good value and if he gets the 25 you're going to be happy with that price tag after Riley leonard there's a big range of guys that i'm just not interested in so i do want to talk about two more value plays the first one is kj jefferson of arkansas so we've seen lsu's defense give up you know a fair amount of points to quarterbacks kj jefferson's been pretty consistent around the 20 to 25 point mark um I just don't see why not to play him. Like the price tag to me, he should be much higher priced than he actually is. And I anticipate that on FanDuel, he will be much higher priced. So on DraftKings, I'm absolutely willing to go to him. I think this LSU-Arkansas game turns into a shootout. And I really like the chances of KJ Jefferson getting you over 25 fantasy points. The bottom dollar quarterback that I mentioned earlier is Katravis. 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 I'm going to go with Katravis. Katravis Marsh of South Florida. The reason that he is notable is because he is starting for the injured Jerry Bohannon and he is going to be up against SMU. SMU, the team that I just mentioned, just gave up 500 passing yards and seven passing touchdowns last week. Katravis Marsh comes in at $5,000 on DraftKings and his last two performances as a starter were 17 and 18 fantasy points. So we're up against a terrible defense. He's hit three times value in his last two starts. And his salary allows you a lot of room to play other guys. I think he's a great play this week, um, and I think if you're looking to cut cost at quarterback, then Ktravis Marsh is the guy. Five thousand dollars, and I definitely think you will get at least three times his value. I would probably actually be willing to guarantee four times his value on Saturday. All right, so that does it for the quarterback position. Let's switch on over to the ground game and talk about running backs. For a slate that is absent of Bijan Robinson. This is a pretty stud running back slate, if I'm being honest. It starts with Jameer Gibbs at 8700 and I don't know why he is priced as high as he is. We know that he has a high ceiling. He has games of 41 and 39, and we know that Ole Miss has been susceptible to run. They gave up big games to Tank Bigsby. They gave up big games to Rocket Sanders. So I absolutely think Jameer Gibbs is a good play. But that price tag makes it tough. You know, you're going to have to squeeze in a lot of other guys. I don't think that he possesses the same floor and ceiling of like a B. Bijan Robinson or like the next guy I'm going to talk about. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get there on Gibbs this week. But the play makes a lot of sense in my opinion. So the aforementioned next guy I'm going to talk about, Blake Corum of Michigan, is kind of just one notch below Bijan in my opinion in college running back rankings, and he has a super high floor. And he's going to come in at super high ownership. We know he's going to get 20 plus carries. Nebraska is really bad. And so we know that Michigan's going to be able to run the ball. And we know that, you know, Blake Coram's going to end up with about 25 to 30 fantasy points. Now, in my opinion, Blake Corham's going to be very highly owned. So a pivot play off of this will be to play Donovan Edwards, Michigan's second running back. They do a little bit of a backfield committee, like it's not just 100% Blake Coram all the time. Donovan Edwards gets some carries even before garbage time. And last week, Donovan Edwards had 28 fantasy points without scoring a rushing touchdown. So if you're looking to be in a GPP and be super contrarian, playing Donovan Edwards will give you a lot of leverage because if Edwards scores a lot of points, it's likely that Coram won't be scoring a lot of points and he is going to be the higher owned player. So I think that's a very interesting strategy if you're looking to take advantage in a GPP tournament format. Chase Brown of Illinois is the last of the stud running backs, in my opinion. He has a super high floor. He's going to get like 30-plus carries. Just look at his game log. He's getting pretty much 30 carries a game. And it just seems like a super safe option against Purdue. Purdue is not known for their defense. More about that later. But I just think that, you know, you're guaranteed a workload with Chase Brown I think that other people are going to be on Quorum. I think that other people are going to be on Gibbs. So I think that Chase Brown will be a super good option this week. He's going to be much lower owned than those other two, and I think he still possesses the same floor and the same ceiling. Now, one guy that's coming on strong of late and is starting to enter the stud running back conversation is Eric Gray of Oklahoma. He has three straight games, over 20 carries, and 21 fantasy points. And like I said, West Virginia is the worst team in the Big 12. You're going to be able to put up some points on West Virginia, so if Oklahoma chooses to do so by the ground game, then Eric Gray is going to be the beneficiary. Tajay Spears of Tulane is a lesser-known name. He's going to be low-owned. People don't like playing guys they don't know, Um, but he scored over 23 fantasy points in three straight games. Tulane's got a solid matchup this week. I just... I don't know. I kind of I like the logic of going to Ty J Spears. I've been kind of living in this six to $7,000 running back range lately, and it's been working well for me. And Ty J Spears is one of the guys I've been playing. Kendra Miller of TCU has been another one. But I just kind of like this price range for a running back. It's not going to squeeze you too much. You can still play guys at wide receiver that cost a little bit. And I think that Ty J Spears is at a price and at a recent performance that I really like, and I think he's a solid option. Now, I do have four value plays for um, the running back position. The first one is Kay Allen of Penn State. So, Penn State has been pretty much a backfield by committee for the entire season. And it's starting to trend a little bit away from that. And the reason why is Kay Allen. So, just looking at fantasy points. 12 fantasy points against Minnesota. 23 fantasy points against Ohio State. 36 fantasy points against Indiana. Like, He's turning into their guy. And if you just look at those three games, they're increasing every time. And so his workload's getting better. The blocking in front of him's getting better. I think they have a solid matchup this week. So Kay Trinell of Penn State is absolutely a guy that I think is a good value play. Audric Estime of Notre Dame. I mentioned him here on the podcast before. He is there between the tackles thumper. If you watch the Clemson game, It was kind of staggering to me. I mean, Audrick Estime has always looked big. But in the Clemson game, Clemson's got, you know, a lot of NFL talent out there. Audrick Estime still looked big, and they were having a tough time bringing him down. And if he's going to be able to do that against Clemson, what's he going to do against Navy? I mean, he's going to have a straight-up physical advantage. Notre Dame's offensive line is going to have a straight-up physical advantage. And I've watched enough Notre Dame to know they don't want the ball in Drew Pine's hands throwing 30 times a game. That's not how they're going to win. They're going to win it by being very conservative with the ground game, giving a lot of carries to Audrick Estime, getting the ball to Chris Tyree in some creative ways. But Estime is a guy that I really like this week, and I really like the fact that he had a great performance against Clemson, and his price tag didn't change a whole lot. Brian Battee of South Florida draws SMU. So I mentioned about, earlier about how bad the SMU defense was through the air against quarterbacks. Well, guess what? They also give up over 200 rushing yards a game. So I think that Brian Bettee is absolutely an option. If you aren't going to be on Catravis Marsh, I think Brian Bertie is a very solid play because USF's going to score points somehow. They're not going to get shut out, and it's going to be Marsh or Bettee. Now, the Duke running back situation has been one that's been not very profitable because Riley Leonard vultures a lot of touchdowns with his legs, but it appears that Jaquez Moore is taking over the lead back role, And so looking at this game, If Leonard doesn't vulture touchdowns, sorry, if Leonard doesn't vulture touchdowns, Jacquez Moore is going to be a guy who is at a very accessible price tag and is getting the workload of a starting running back. So I absolutely think he is an option as well. All right, clearly my body is ready to be done talking about running backs by that yawn. So let's go ahead and switch on over to wide receivers. We'll be breaking down the wide receiver position how we always do, which is team by team. And we will always start with the guys that are at the top and just kind of go with their team and go from there. So the first one to talk about is Rasheed Rice of SMU. Look, he's top option for a reason. And he is Tanner Mordecai's favorite target. And SMU is a good offense, as evidenced by what they did last week. Have no problem going back to Rasheed Rice, especially if you're stacking with Tanner Mordecai. Now, the one thing that was interesting about Mordecai's big game is when you look at the box score, when you look at the play-by-play, a lot of the touchdowns, were two role players. It was like random backup tight ends that were scoring for SMU. And it kind of, you know, I was looking forward to sitting down and saying, oh, which SMU receivers are going to be underpriced because they did well last week and DraftKings didn't adjust. There's not a whole lot of that because a lot of those touchdowns went to backup tight ends and guys that are kind of role players. Now, the one thing that is good news for SMU's offense is Jordan Curley is back healthy. Uh, He had only 8.2 fantasy points against Houston, but he is their number two wide receiver and was their number two wide receiver when he is healthy. And the one guy that did break out, he is currently minimum priced on DraftKings, and that is Dylan Goffney. He had three catches for 100 yards and one touchdown against Houston. He also had another game this season where he scored 24 fantasy points. So if you're looking for a punt play wide receiver this week, Dylan Goffney is the punt play. Um, I think that what he did last week, that's enough of a sample size to see that there's a little bit of value there. He has the ceiling to actually give you a little bit of production at minimum price. Xavier Hutchinson of Iowa State is a super safe option given how many targets he receives every week. He has been, in every game this season except one, over double-digit targets. And in every game this season except one, he's been over five catches. So um, definitely like Xavier Hutchinson's safety, I actually think that, you know, pretty good option this week. I think, I wish the price tag was a little lower, but you're paying for safety when you pay for Xavier Hutchinson. On the other side of him is wide receiver Jalen Noel. He's seemingly the only other player on Iowa State who catches passes, so if you're pivoting away from Hutchinson, Jalen Noel is the guy. Charlie Jones of Purdue is in a similar situation to uh, Xavier Hutchinson. I think that this game has sneaky shootout potential. And so I think that Charlie Jones might be a guy who it's another week of double digit catches. It's another week of 20 plus fantasy points. The Ohio state receivers, Marvin Harrison jr. And a mech egg Buka. Honestly, they're great options, but good luck figuring out which one's going to score more. If you are stacking with CJ Stroud, honestly, I think you can stack both of them. Um, I think you would be limiting your ceiling a little bit, but you would be raising your floor. So It's weird. I just, there's no rhyme or reason to which one of these guys are going to go off and which one's not. They're both been pretty consistently in double-digit fantasy points. I just think it's a really tough situation to play in daily fantasy when you don't really know who's going to be the one that gets more targets, who's going to be the one that finds the end zone. It's just, you never know. So I'm probably avoiding it. If you want to double-line up it where you play Harrison in one and Abuka in the other, I get that. I think that's a good strategy, but I just don't know. I I just don't. Jalen Hyatt of Tennessee only had 12 fantasy points against Georgia, but to me he is a bounce-back candidate this week. Um, When you look at Tennessee's offense, they do a lot with stacked receivers. They do a lot of wheel concepts, and so earlier in the season – Jaylen Hyatt was just running wheels right by everybody, and they were either fooled by it or they were not athletic enough to cover him. You know, the Georgia game, they had it on film. They weren't going to be fooled. And they're a bunch of NFL players, so they weren't going to be out-athleted. And so I think that this week, even if Missouri knows it's coming, Jaylen Hyatt's going to have the athleticism advantage. He's going to hit one of these wheels deep on Missouri. I'd be willing to guarantee it. Now, the one cause of concern for Jalen Hyatt is his short and intermediate passes might be going down a little bit. Cedric Tillman, who was their leading receiver last season and was their leading receiver at the start of the season, is officially back healthy. He had seven catches for 68 yards against Georgia. Did not find the end zone. But that's a stat line that, I mean, it's worth noting. If you're going to build lineups with Hooker, I don't think I would put both of these guys in it, but I think that it's a good strategy to play one with Hyatt and one with Tillman, and I'm not targeting anybody else in that Tennessee passing game. For Missouri, on the other side of this ball, Luther Burden III. I'm going to call him LB3. And Dominic Lovett are the two top options, but they have no consistency and no pattern as to when they're doing well. To me, Lovett has a slightly more predictable game log and a slightly higher ceiling than LB3. I'm going to try to get LB3 off the ground, y'all. So I would personally play Lovett. But I think that LB3, Luther Burton III, gives you a little bit more of a boomer bust potential. And if you're trying to play one of these GPPs, I think he's a guy that could give you a few of those. Or, well, he could give you one performance that could really pay his way off in a GPP. Marvin Mims of Oklahoma. Honestly, feels overpriced to me, but he's priced for his ceiling. I mentioned a lot of times on this podcast how guys like Bijan Robinson and Blake Corm are priced for their floor. Marvin Mims is priced for his ceiling. He has incredible upside. He has three games this season that are over 22 fantasy points, and against West Virginia, I could see him adding another to that list. In terms of the other Oklahoma receivers, Drake Stoops is the only other one I would roster. He's on the field pretty much all the time, and he's kind of not really scored a whole lot of touchdowns, but he's seen steady, consistent snaps, steady, consistent targets. So I think Drake Stoops is definitely an option down there as another Oklahoma receiver. For the Alabama receiving corps, I've mentioned time and time again about how they're not been great and I don't want to target them and so Ja'Cory Brooks seems to have broken that trend. He finally seems to have taken over as Bryce Young's favorite target. He had seven catches last week and he's been in double digit points in five straight. If you're playing an Alabama receiver, you're playing Ja'Cory Brooks. With Oklahoma State's QB uncertainty and Iowa State's pretty solid defense, I'm probably passing on Oklahoma State receivers although I do like Bryson Green. I think he has a high ceiling. If you play him, he's going to be boom or bust, but I think he has the highest ceiling out of all those Oklahoma State wide receivers. Isaiah Williams of Illinois. Last three games, 15, 22, and 26 fantasy points. He is their guy. He is their number one target, and we know that this game with Purdue can turn into a shootout and that Purdue is not good at defense. Further evidence, Nebraska's Trey Palmer had 51 fantasy points against Purdue as a number one wide receiver. So why can't Isaiah Williams do that? Obviously, I'm not expecting him to get 51, but his last three games of 15, 22, and 26, I expect that trend to continue with another performance in the 20s. For USF, I've mentioned their offense, you know, all podcasts long, Katravis Marsh at quarterback, Brian Bettee at running back, Xavier Weaver is the receiver that you want. He is the one that seems to have the connection with Katravis Marsh. In the last two games that Marsh started, Weaver has 13 total catches. The next closest is five. So Xavier Weaver is the guy when Katravis Marsh is under center. For Arkansas, I've been on this train for a few weeks as well. Stack Matt Landers, not Javon Hazelwood. Landers has at least 18 points in his last three games, including a 35-point performance at the start of that string. Hazelwood, meanwhile, has seven games in double digits, but is not top 20 points in a single game all season. Landers has the ceiling... Hazelwood has the floor. When you are playing DraftKings and you're stacking, like if you're going with KJ Jefferson at quarterback, stack with Landers because you want the ceiling. So I like Matt Landers a lot. Like I think he's a really good play this week, whether or not you are stacking with KJ Jefferson. On the other side in this game for LSU, look, I mentioned him last week. I'll go back to Kayshawn Baute. He had seven catches for 51 yards against Bama. He's gotten kind of unlucky with touchdowns. He only has one touchdown on the year, but we know he was an All-American last season. We know the talent's there. We know that LSU's going to be able to put up some points. If you are rolling with Jaden Daniels, I think that Jaden Daniels can be a quarterback that you don't stack with because of his legs and because of his ability to score in the run game. But if you do stack him, Kayshawn Baute is the guy that I want to stack with. honestly don't know how his last name is pronounced. I'm just I'm, I'm hoping it's Baute. I have a feeling it could be Booty but I'm going to go with Balte. All right, so that covers it for the wide receiver position, and that covers it for this week's preview of the early college football slate. If you are interested in playing Daily Fantasy College Basketball, check the podcast feed. I released an episode last Saturday that previewed Monday night's slate, but at the start, it had some strategies for being successful in DFS college basketball. Just listen to the first eight minutes. It'll make you a smarter college basketball DFS player. Also, check the episode feed. Yesterday we released an episode that previews the Houston Open this week's PGA Tour tournament. DFS golf is a lot like college football, that it's under-researched and it's easier to win at than NFL and NBA contests. So if you're looking at getting if you're looking into getting into fantasy golf, give yesterday's podcast a listen. Man, that was that was tough to say. Last thing, make sure you are staying tuned to the podcast feed. I'm gonna have more episodes coming your way tomorrow and Friday. If you want my full DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks for additional information. All right, hopefully I gave you guys some names that you can put into your lineups this week. Hopefully it's going to help you guys make some money. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.